Hello and welcome to this episode of Self Made. I'm your host, D. Brown, CEO. Joining me on the show today is Torrance Burnett. Torrance is a music executive and attorney. Welcome to the program. Glad Thank to have you me. so much for having me. Oh, it's my pleasure. Yeah. So look, I want to just jump right in. We've got a lot of ground to cover. So just give me a little background on your, on your childhood. Where did you grow up and what was your childhood like? Childhood, well, I am an army brat, so I really grew up everywhere. I was born in Chicago, but because my father was an active duty serviceman in the U.S. Army, we moved everywhere. So I had the opportunity to see the world and experience all different types of cultures, which I think really adds uh, extra layer to me because I really embrace diversity and I understand that the world is bigger than just your little area. Right. So let me ask you this question. But did that impact you in terms of establishing friendships uh, through school? You know, moving frequently? Well, it was tough to, you know, make friends in the beginning, but I think childhood wise, you know, you just got to a point where you just did whatever the parents told you to do yeah. and you made whatever adjustments necessary. But I think those times really made a major impact on me as a, as a young adult and um, as a professional, actually. So what about high school? What was high school like? High school, I went to two different high schools. Uh, I started out at uh, Waynesville High School, uh, which is the high school for Fort Leonard Wood, Missouri. Mm-hmm. Um, I went there for my ninth grade year and then transferred to Greenville High School uh, in Mississippi. Okay. Uh, and it's, I think it's changed now to uh, Greenville Weston, combining two schools, mm-hmm. but I graduated when it was actually just Greenville High School. Uh, it was a beautiful place for me, had a lot of family members there. Uh, the culture is, is rich there, and it just gave me uh, my home base that is, is what I use today as my foundation to just reach out into the world and try to make a positive impact. So were, did you have any challenges that you had to face as a child or...? Anything that you had to overcome? Absolutely. Uh, I think the biggest challenge was was just uh, being disenfranchised. Uh, Even though my father was in the military, we didn't have a lot of money. We thought we did, but we really didn't. I I think my parents did a great job of of giving us a place of love and, and providing for us. But, you know, the family around us thought that we were rich, but soldiers don't make any money. And so, um... It was tough just just being able to make things work. I remember a time that um, my father was stationed in, in Korea. My mother, my sister and I, we were still in Greenville. And I think we spent probably about two or three months where we were able to you know, live off of cornbread muffins, um, um, hot dogs and... But my mom's probably going to kill me <laughs> after she, she sees this and um, noodles. You know, yeah. so. <laughs> so. So you graduate from uh, high school in Greenville. Mm-hmm. Uh, so what's your next step from there? My next step was to go directly to Delta State. Um, then I left Delta State. I joined the U.S. Army myself and started traveling the world, started getting some really hard lessons because I, I think at that point I didn't really understand how the world worked, mm-hmm. and my mom had done a great job of sheltering me, and the blinders came off, and it was time to grow up. So give me, give me an example <laughs> of uh, one of the lessons you had to learn, one of the hardships you had to deal with. Um, I had to learn that not everybody wants to hear my opinion. 
I had to learn that there's a system uh, and you have to learn a system, get inside the system in order to effectuate change in the system. The army is not a place where you can go in and, and push your wheel. Even if you're right, you just don't do it like that. Right. Uh, luckily for me, <clears throat> my father was still in, so he worked in the background to help me through a lot of situations. And I'll tell you, I spent maybe my first six years um, as a lawyer enlisted. And what that means is it's E1 through E4. After you do E5, you move into what's called a non-commissioned officer and up the ranks. Um, but I met a, a female, a black female um, sergeant who took me under her wing. She, she kicked my butt, but she changed my trajectory and really changed my life. Yeah. So, so what exactly? Tell me about that experience. Um, <clears throat> let's just say... I was really smart, I was really capable, but I didn't want to follow the rules. And so she got with me uh, and basically showed me that uh, I was better than my choices. And she protected me from other people who wanted to do real harm to me, but she also disciplined me. She held me accountable for my choices and whenever I was doing the right thing, she made sure I got the right opportunities. Example is, I went from E4 to E6 in roughly 22 months after spending six years stuck at E4. Wow. So how do you think the <clears throat> Army overall impacted your life? The Army taught me basically that you can do whatever you put your mind to, but again, you have to understand that there's a system. Get inside the system, learn the system, and then effectuate the change that you want, not just for yourself, but for everybody else around. Right. And so once you leave <clears> the <throat> Army, um, what's the next step in your professional career? So I was at a point where either if you hit 10 years, everybody says you just stay in. So I was at eight years, 10 months and four days. I, I wasn't really keeping count, but uh, <laughs> um, I knew that I wanted to do music full time. And so I'm like, hey, let's do it. And I got out uh, in El Paso, Texas. <clears throat> I just signed this, this great rap group. And, you know, I thought that I could make it work for them. Now, I didn't know much, but uh, we got together. We worked hard. We, we achieved some things like getting on the radio, which was very hard to do back then, and did some touring with Snoop Dogg and, and some other big acts. And it just started to click for me. Yeah. So when did you develop your, your passion for music? I always had the passion. Um, if, if a mom was here, she'll tell you about the times when, when I was, you know, trying to be, be Michael Jackson and, and you know, break dance and, and whatever was available dealing with music. Um, I, I wanted to be an artist. In fact, for a while, I was an artist. And then I moved into, you know, songwriting and, and producing and then management. And that's where I really found of my footing at, at helping others to pull things together. So I'm sorry I can't resist but that, but I need to know what, what were you doing when you was acting like Michael Jackson? Well, I had the little beaded jacket <laughs> and uh, I had the big, you know, hair <laughs> and I would do all the moves. In fact, I Did could beat it for you right you had now. The curl? Yeah, of course I had to have the curl. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, and so I would get these dance groups and stuff, and we'd dance, and I'd sing, and I'd try to woo the girls, you know? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, 
So you uh, you started your music company, become a manager. So what was the first successful uh, act that you signed? Well, success can be defined in a lot of ways. Um, I think for me, the first successful act was actually the group there in El Paso. It was the first time that I'd, I'd ever made money from my dream. And it was a wonderful thing. Um, but then I quickly learned that there were so many other layers to the music industry, and there was so much more money there for once you get inside the system, learn the system, become a part of that, and then effectuate that change. So t t talk to me about some of those layers and you know, how you went about trying to navigate and figure out how to get inside the system. Well, I learned that I needed to be able to provide value. So I would get with people like uh, a bunch of executives in Atlanta at the time. Um, I got with them. I was a you know gifted uh, songwriter and producer, and I would do like a, a lot of records for free, or what we call on spec. Mm -hmm. And um, at, at that time, I, I was working in a company that was the home base for uh, a songwriter and artist called The Dream, Terrius Nash. So I would make a bunch of uh, beats and he would come in and demo and, and write over it. And that stuff started to move. Then you meet the next person and the next person and the opportunities start to come for you. So who, um, <clears throat> I guess, are some of the people that helped you along the way, along that journey of becoming a music executive? Oh, there's too many people to, to name. Um, I think... Probably the person that has played the biggest role on my music side is a gentleman by the name of um, Stanley Atwater. Um, we got together um, in the early 2000s mm -hmm. and we did some records together and, and took them into a major building and uh, just built this, this great friendship and, you know, he, he was from Atlanta, so at the time, you know, well, even now today, you know, Atlanta serves as the music mecca for black music. And he's a native there, so he knew everybody. And through his connections, he started to connect me because I was this guy. And we just started to, to build this great thing. Now, we've gone our separate ways, but we're still friends today. He's still in the industry, and so am I. So yeah. everything worked out. So what's the name of your company and who are some of the artists that you represent now? The name of this brand new company, it's less than a year old, is The Mavens Records. Um, I have this great artist signed out of Louisiana, Baton Rouge to be exact, uh, named Tweedy. He has this viral hit right now called Hit Your Mama Up. And prior to that, he had a record called um, How the Bed Goes. Just look it up. Uh, Disclaimer, it's rough. <laughs> but if you like to have fun, uh, it's great stuff. Also have these, um, these super producers and, and writers. Uh, one is named Yo King Eli. Uh, he's phenomenal. I have an R&B artist um, named Kamira. She's out of Texas as well. Uh, she's brand new. She did her debut record in this past, uh, I think it was September, October. Uh, done very, very well. Uh, India Monet is there. Uh, Will Stramentals. Will Stramentals and I did 
a record with a artist that we had over at Island Records um, by the name of Trinidad Cardona that, that's gold, and we have another platinum record with him. So it's, it's just a beautiful, beautiful thing at the Mavens Records. So talk to me about you know, the, the, the music industry. So walk me through uh, you signing an artist and, the, and what's the benefit of the artist signing with, with your company? The benefit with signing with our company is you have a label owner, label partners, because <clears throat> uh, three of the partners are uh, lawyers. And uh, one of those gentlemen is a veteran who actually did the deal that created Sony ATV Publishing, because ATV was actually Michael Jackson. So he's the guy that helped put it together and took, took the piece of paper to Michael Jackson to have it signed. So amongst other things, <clears throat> um, you, you get people who know the industry, but the biggest thing is you get people that care. So now let me walk you through what happens. Most people now are what we call bedroom musicians. Anyone with a computer and a microphone and internet now has a studio. Right. And they make these records, they put them on the internet. Most of the time nothing happens. But every now and then something happens. And when 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 that happens, the telephone rings. So it's probably a AR or some other person that's in a major label that's asking you, hey, what do you want to do with your career? Can we fly you out? Let's talk about it. And you and you and you get flown out and you, you go to this building and you see these big pictures and you may see Beyonce walk past and you're thinking, oh, my God, my dreams are coming true. But then the problem is if they really want you, they want you to sign that day. And they're going to hand you this this piece of paper. They're probably going to call it a short form, but it's a short form of about 80 to 85 pages. And they're going to say, well, did you bring a lawyer with you? And you're probably going to say, no, I didn't bring a lawyer because you didn't know that you needed one. The only person with you is probably your manager who's really your homeboy that has no experience either. Right. And they'll give you a list of, of attorneys who don't work for the label that's on this approved list. The attorney's going to come in and do their job but are they really working for you zealously? Are they pushing back on the things that's going to matter? Probably, probably no. And so <clears throat> that happens. People then get their record launch. Things are okay for a minute. But more times than not, you hear the story of, oh, I got screwed over. I didn't make any money. I signed a terrible deal. And you hear all these fights going on. Well, I didn't like that. And so I, I was actually compelled to stop being an executive for a while and go to law school. And so the whole purpose was to come out and to create uh, avenues and opportunities to correct that wrong. I want to see young entrepreneurs, uh, especially black young entrepreneurs, get an opportunity to work and thrive on a level playing field. And so. That's what you get when you sign with us. Uh, we don't have the slave deals. Everybody is a partner. And when a dollar gets made, it's not like you're going to owe us forever and never get out of this perpetual cycle of being upside down or unrecouped. That's not what we're doing over there. Yeah. And, you, and so you talked about being unrecouped. So uh, what is that exactly? And, and, and if you know of some, you know, 
bad deals that have taken place without calling names. I, you know, share some a story with us. Well, if you let artists tell you, all bad, uh, all deals are bad. But I don't think that there's a such thing as a bad deal. I think it's about understanding what you're doing, understanding the system, get inside of that system in order to effectuate the change. Um, let me explain it like this. The average deal is based on a system where the artist is earning a royalty. And just to use easy math, a artist in this example is going to earn 10%. So 10 cents of every dollar made is going to be attributed to the artist's account. Well, let's say that the artist took a recoupable advance of $100,000 and the um, recording fund, the, the cost to record the record was another $500,000. And we'll, we'll cap it there. So we're at $600,000 that's owed back to the company that has to be recouped before the, the artist is going to see a paycheck. So let's say the record comes out, and I'm going to make the number easy. It's going to be a dollar per copy sold, whether it be through streams, equivalents, or whatever. Mm -hmm. So we sold a million records, and so everybody's happy. Yeah, I got a big record. I sold a million. So you got $1 million that's on the top line. But the artist is earning money at $0.10. Cents. So the artist has only earned $100,000. But you remember the artist has to pay back. $600,000. So now you're going to get a statement saying you owe a balance of 500000 But if you had a big record that sold a million more, what, what has to happen next? A new record's got to be done. So now you're going to get that same cycle happen again. And that's how artists never get recouped. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> so was there anyone in your, you know, in your life that uh, inspired you to want to be an entrepreneur or want to own your own business or be in the music industry? My mom inspired me to be an entrepreneur. I saw her do brilliant things very early on. And she was the first person that I saw take nothing and turn it into something. Um, when I was 14, I was a landlord um, <clears throat> over houses that she had gone out and uh, secured in her portfolio. She opened up a clothing store, um, a club, and it's just like, yeah, I love to see the freedom that she had. She wasn't tied down to anybody's particular clock, and I wanted the same thing for me. As for the music, it was always in me. In fact, um, it's funny because my mom is the is the person who went out and bought that first keyboard that allowed me to start producing, uh, even though my dad said no. And then later on, as I got older, I needed more help to get better equipment. And then it, it was my dad that kicked in when my mom was saying he doesn't need to, any more of that stuff. So my parents just did a great job of supporting me then, and and, and they still do it now. They're they're just great people. So what have been what has been the biggest challenge you've had to? Uh face just as an entrepreneur uh, running your own business? I think the biggest challenge is two-part. Let's bifurcate it. Number one is self-doubt. 
you have so many things in your mind telling you not to do it or it's not going to work <clears throat> uh, or thinking that you're not smart enough or you don't know enough uh, or the people that you meet, uh, you know, they're going to see right through you and know that you're not good enough. Uh, that fear, that doubt stops a lot. And the other piece is the love of people who are close to you who haven't moved beyond their own doubts. In order to protect you, they tend to cast that on you. Whatever their limitations are in life, they think they're trying to help you by saying, well, you shouldn't do that. You should just do this instead because that's not going to work. And, well, do this full time and do that on the side, which we all know you can't do it like that. If you're going to do it, go all the way right. in. Um, those two things, I think, are the biggest obstacles. Um, I tell you, for me, when I made the, the final decision to go to law school, it was scary. And most of my colleagues are like, what are you doing? Yeah. You, you make good money right now. Lawyers don't make a lot of money. I'm like, you know what? I'm not going to school to make money. I'm going to school to make a difference. And I realized that in life, you have to be the example. You can't change the world with, with anything else other than your example instead of your opinion. Most people want to talk about things. Right. You have to be about it. You, you have to show people that it's possible. And so going to school in my early 40s, becoming a lawyer, looking at 50, people are like, what are you doing? But now it's starting to make sense. Got you. So what's your uh, goal uh, for, for your company? What, what you are, what's your next move? What you are, where you're trying to take the company? My goal is to create today's version of Motown. I want to make it so it's a family atmosphere and everybody gets the opportunity to not only make money doing what they love, but to become better educated. Um, at my company, we have classes. I'm, I want you to learn about money. I want you to learn about investments. I want you to be more than just a song because songs come and go. You know, but what do you do with the money that comes in? How do you make that sustainable? How do you create generational generational wealth? Yeah, that's what what we're focused on there. All right. So I want to ask you this this question uh, of everything that you've accomplished so far. Uh, what are you most proud of? Funny thing about it is the thing I'm most proud of is being a father. I realized that my life is about making a difference for other people. And, and that starts with my children. Yeah. So how many children do you have? Four. Four children. OK. So um, as we get ready to kind of start winding down the show, I do want to get an opportunity to ask you just in your opinion, uh, what's what's your definition of uh, being self-made? I think being self-made is about learning how to harness all the things in the environment and taking the continual understanding and, and, and searching for uh, self-knowledge, putting that all together to create the world that you have in your mind. Yep. And, and so I don't <clears throat> want to miss the opportunity to mention that you are a member of Kappa Alpha Psi Fraternity Incorporated, my yo, frat yo. brother. <laughs> so 
just briefly uh, over the next you know minute and a half, two minutes, tell me what Cap Alpha Psi uh, mean to you and how it has impacted your life. Oh, you're trying to make me cry on the show. <laughs> Look, I tell people that, you know, I was a man before Kappa, uh, and, and, you know, I think the easy way to say it is that Kappa didn't define me because I, I, I knew exactly who I am, but it redefined me. It, it helped me strip away of some layers that I didn't even know I had that needed to be stripped. It put me in the company of great men like you. I mean, it's amazing how all walks of life can come together, meet on the same playing field, talk to each other, and share their triumphs and their trials. And you can just work towards something that, that's bigger than yourself. Kappa means everything to me. It's, it's a part of my fabric, my DNA. I walk it, talk it. Every day I'm trying to do something great and find new pie. Yeah. So it's all about achievement for me. Great. Well, look, before I close the show, I want to say this. I, I really appreciate you joining me on the show. Thank you for having me. It no, means so it's, much. It's, it's my pleasure. And everything you said about Kappa is, is true. So I vouch for it 100%. It's been uh, one of the best decisions I've made in, in my life to be part of the organization. Uh, not just from the standpoint of the brotherhood, the bond, the networking, but also the impacts that we're able to have in the communities that we uh, serve and in terms of being able to give back, uh, give a hand up, uh, being able to uh, impact uh, you know, young children within those, those communities and people that are in need. So it's been a very uh, good opportunity uh, for me. And uh, I think that... Um, I couldn't ask for a better guest, and I appreciate you joining me on thank the show. Thank you so much. No, thank you. And to my viewers, thank you for watching this episode of Self Made. I'm your host, D CEO. And remember, without you, there's no me.